You're listening to the Bleacher Connection, a part of the Belly Up Sports Network. Here are your hosts, Ken and Trevor. Welcome back, everyone. We got a great show for you today planned out. Trevor, how are you doing? Ken, I'm doing remarkably well on this uh, wintry day in the Calgary region. It, uh, uh, we were hoping to get an early end of winter. Yeah, it came back. Damn you. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's in the minus 20s here again, and it's going to be that way for the next few days. So, yeah, I could think of a few other places I'd rather be than in minus 20. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, one place I think we both agree that we're glad we're not. And this is going to lead right into one of our topics today. The Olympics in China. Uh, not that we could have gone anyways, but I don't know. I, I just wasn't jazzed about the Olympics this year, Ken. What about you? Uh, not at all. I mean, for me, these athletes are some of the best in the world and they absolutely deserve the, the platform and the opportunity to be seen and recognized for being that the best, some of the best athletes in the world, if not the best to me, Trevor, I just don't know that the Olympics are the place for it to happen anymore. I've just really, honestly, I barely watched anything. I saw some highlights. I couldn't tell you what events were going on, what day, who was winning, you know, I just, it was really hard for me to care about these Olympics. It, it, it was just a lot of things that I think we're going to talk about that, uh, that caused that for me. Yeah. I, I kept up with it. I knew when, when Canada or, or the United States were winning medals, like I was following all that, but the actual, I felt like there was a really poor job in these Olympics of the marketing of it and the hype machine. It just didn't seem to be there. And I don't know if that's because of COVID or because of the time difference between North America, but you were still able to watch, you know, later into the evenings and early morning events to, to watch, you know, the, the athletes. And I just didn't feel like it was a priority and, and it just didn't, you almost forgot the Olympics were going on. And then every once in a while you get a tweet, Oh, you know, Canada or us win silver in skiing. And it's like, Oh yeah. Right. Like, yeah, I don't know. I just felt like it was, it, it just wasn't there for in, in, as in years past. There definitely was a disconnect. And I think some of that comes down to the fact of where the Olympics were, were being held this year. A lot of countries did not send a diplomat as a representative for the games because there's so many human rights violations that have gone on in China that that was their way of protesting it. Um, and again, I, to get into some of what I, I want to talk about this, the Winter Olympics for me have some of the most problems when it comes to the sports. There's a lot of sports that are based on judging. And we've seen through the decades that there has been so many controversies time in and time out with poor judging or corrupt judging and cheating that goes on nothing's changed and i think for me that's a big problem especially with the winter olympics yeah i would agree with that and normally on our show we do kind of the are you kidding me well this right here the olympics the scandals the 
Rothschild, let's just straight up say it. Are you kidding me? This is the topic for us. We both agreed we had to talk about this and kind of the the luster being taken away. So to Russia, to the Olympics, I'm sorry. It just, you're ruining it. You really, really are. Yeah. So to get into the first one there in the figure skating, uh, Russian skater, Kamila Valiva, apologize if I say her name wrong, um, 15 years old and was caught with a banned substance in a test from December. We're not talking a year ago or eight months ago. We're talking from December, a couple months ago. Two of the drugs that were in her system are accepted under the doping rules. The third one is not. And what it is, is this is essentially heart medicine that allows your blood flow to be increased, your oxygen levels to be increased. And and in the cocktail that she had is considered a performance enhancing drug. Now, again, we'll take one step further back before we can go. So Russia is competing under the Russian Olympic Committee moniker because Russia, the country, is still banned from the Olympics. In previous Olympics, they were the athletes of Russia because of the doping scandals that have happened within that country and federation in all sports, winter and summer. They've made a mockery of it to the point where they were given a a ban and they've still allowed the athletes to compete because I guess you could consider the athletes are being forced. Let's call a spade a spade. They don't have a choice. If they're told to take it, they're going to take it because who knows what could happen to them if they decide not to. So the Russians have always had a problem with doping. And that's not a secret. That's not anything that we've did some investigating journalism on. It's quite well known. Open up any web browser and search Russian Olympic doping and you'll get a whole bunch of examples. So this 15-year-old figure skater is has a positive sample of a banned substance. The IOC and everyone else goes through and does an investigation and considers her a protected person because she's 15 years old and is allowed to compete. Now, I don't personally have an issue with that. I actually, she was, it was forced on her. So I don't have a, that ruling doesn't bother me. It was kind of, and you're about to get to this, the subsequent way they were going to treat the other athletes is what I have a problem with. Yeah. And there's also another piece to that is if you have to consider a 15 year old, a protected person, because obviously that they can't get their hands on that freely, right? This isn't street steroids or anything like that. It's prescription drugs that were gotten by the coaching team of, of the Russians and given to her. So fine, let her compete. But that two points to that. My first one is, is 15 then too young to be able to compete? I know Tara Lipinski back 20 years ago was won a gold medal in figure skating as a 15 year old. But if you are going to say that a 15 year old is a protected person and can compete with a positive test for a banned substance because they're young and it would have been forced on them, does that not set an ugly precedent for other countries to say, maybe we should try this, right? Like to me that it's a slippery slope and that could be a reach. I'm just saying 
it could lead to a very slippery slope in the future if other organizations go, okay, well, if this is how we need to win, then this is what we'll start doing too. And to the point that you were, you were talking about too is in all the events she competed in then, if in the team event, Russia, sorry, the ROC or her in individual events were to the medal, there was going to be no medal ceremony for any of them, even for the clean athletes. And there was a, a tribunal set up because the clean athletes who did win in, in the team event haven't received their medals yet. And they wanted them before the closing ceremonies because who wants to walk out? Everyone who has a medal wants to walk out there wearing it. That's part of being an Olympian, showing off that you won it, being able to have your picture taken in the Olympics with your medal. And these athletes who didn't cheat have been robbed of that opportunity. And let's be honest, who knows if they'll ever see these medals. Yeah, I think the Olympics has really gotten away from what it's supposed to be all about the athletes, the best athletes in the world competing in some of the greatest events in the world. It's gone so far away from that, in my opinion. And the, the Olympics is now it's all about being monetized and with everything in the world, it's about being monetized. But I just I really feel like the true spirit of the Olympics is gone. It is gone. And I don't know how to get it back. Do the Olympics need to be abolished? Maybe. And do we just focus on world championships every year as being the pinnacle? Maybe that's what it is. A lot of these sports that have just, that too. Is that just going to get monetized to what the Olympics were? Like it, 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 it's straight so far away from the original roots. It's disappointing. Well, the Olympics were supposed to bring everyone together in competition. It was supposed to be something that unified everyone. And you took it to a country that has a ton of human rights issues. They've took, so taken how, it there twice. Yeah. And so how is that bringing everyone together when you got people saying, I don't want to go because it's not right. Why are we having this? hallowed event somewhere that doesn't respect everyone so i know another point you want to bring up here is also going to be talking about uh, Olymp women's olympic hockey and kind of there was a lot of controversy around that based on an article coming out of the the toronto sun and it got worldwide wide recognition can What's your take on the women's hockey doesn't belong in the Olympics take that was not so politely brought forth? I think it's a, it's a joke. I mean, like, yeah, Canada and the U.S. are the two dominant countries in that sport, have been for a long time. But for that reason, why does the rest of the world have to get shut out? Or just because you're too good, you don't get to be there. To me, again, that goes against the whole idea of the Olympics. It, it goes with that article was talking about the competitive gap in the sport. So let's take it to another sport that we talked about a week ago, where I or a week or two ago, where I made a very un-Canadian comment when I said, I'm not a curling fan. I don't get it. I don't care for it. The Canadians used to dominate curling at the Olympics and in a lot of other uh, events and the rest of the world slowly started one by one few countries were getting better well in this olympics in the men's side in the women's side in the the mixed side canada took home a bronze medal on the men's side one one, one. medal that's it 
And people are absolutely losing their minds over this because how is Canada not? We should be destroying these these other countries in this. Well, the other countries who used to get destroyed put time and money into getting better to beat Canada because they, they closed that competitive gap. And now we have a even slate, you want to call it, where anyone can win. That's the point of having this competitive event is people wanting and working to get better. So I thought the article was a joke. And God, it was. Absolutely got roasted for all the right reasons. I think both of us can agree the Olympics just, they didn't do it for us this year. It's disappointing because the Summer Olympics were actually uh, quite good in, in 2021. It didn't happen in the Winter Olympics. Very disappointed. And, you know, I, I hope they find a way to right this ship because I used to just be all in on the Olympics. It's not like that anymore. No, it, you even had, well, one thing we, with the women's hockey, the IOC and IHF also completely dropped the ball when the Russian Olympic Committee team in women's Russia, hockey, Russia, Russia yeah, refused to hand over their COVID test to Team Canada before they would play the game. And the Canadian women said, we're not playing until we get those results. And the game was delayed like what, over an hour before it actually got going. And they had to play with N95 masks on. Yeah. The only way the Canadian women said that they would play without getting those tests is if everyone on the ice wore masks. And they did. Every single player was wearing uh, an N95 mask because no one in the IOC or IIHF would step up and do the right say, right thing and say to Russia, if you're not going to give over your test, you lose. It's an automatic L. Canada gets the points. You're done. If you, and, and there was a positive case. One of the players right after the game for Russia tested positive for COVID. Right? So it, it's just a, it was a joke. Yeah, it was disappointing. I think we're going to move on from the Olympics and – we're going to go into some hockey talk at the start of the year, as we do every year, Ken and I both make bold predictions on. That's uh, kind. Uh, yeah. <laughs> crappy predictions might be a better term Bad. of um, kind of some of the NHL awards that are going to be handed out. Who's going to be good. Who's going to not. We're just past the all-star break. We're about halfway through the season and we kind of want to, have a mulligan on some of our picks let's say so all. the bleacher maybe all of them the bleacher connection is bringing you today our nhl award predictions mid-season mulligan edition we're gonna go through the major awards again and we're gonna revise all of our picks let's start ken the norris trophy I know heading into the season, I had big hopes for the Boston Bruins. They were one of my teams to watch. They're having an okay season. And I picked one of their defenders to take home the hardware. Well, sorry, Charlie McAvoy, you are not even in the conversation. (laughs) I've updated my pick. I have winning the Norris Trophy now representing the Colorado Avalanche, Kale McCarr. The guy is just lights out. He's got 18 goals in 41 games, 44 points. He's plus 32. The guy's just a silky smooth skater. And he's a catalyst of one of the best teams in hockey. 
in my conversation still for the heart, not Charlie McAvoy, I'm sorry. The usual suspects, Victor Hedman, Adam Fox, damn you, Adam Fox, and Roman Yossi. There really is, in my opinion, for, I want to find a, a dark horse. I couldn't, like, on a few of my updated picks, I went and found a dark horse. I couldn't when it came to the Norse. Like, it's so cut and dry that, to me, it's essentially these four and then everybody else. Ken, how do you see the Norris uh, shaking out? And and did your original pick, are they still in the conversation? Well, they, they uh, my original pick is still in the conversation, uh, but I did change it up a little bit. I, I had picked Kale McCarr as winning the Norris. Um, he's, I mean, at this point in time right now, he's got 50 points. He's second uh, in points. Well, he's tied for second with Victor Hedman. He's only one point behind. Uh, the leader in def- points for by defenseman who, which is now my new pick to uh, win the Norris and that I've got Roman Yossi for that. I think he is definitely a big reason as to why I think Soros is as well, but Roman Yossi is a big reason why Nashville is right there in that um, conversation for like in the top of that tight central division. Very, very tight division. So for me, I, I try and look at it like, yeah, Cam McCarr is having an exceptional season, but would Colorado still be as good like there with, with or without McCarr? It's, I think Roman Yossi's more of a, a needle mover for Nashville. It's with where they are. I mean, you I and I, I think, that. well, I don't, for me, I looked at Nashville as being a team that maybe didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, I could, right? I'll, so, I'll give you that. That's that's kind of where I'm looking at it from there is, you know, looking at mine, I had Nashville at seven in that division, right? And and I think because everyone kind of wrote them off, but they're having a hell of a season. And I think Roman Yossi is a driver for that. I I, I wanted to try to find a dark horse. Unfortunately, the, this, this award is all about points when it comes to defense. And that kind of bothers me because – I think there's some defensive defensemen out there that probably should get recognition. Absolutely. One of, one of them plays in my city, Chris Tanner. He's not even in the top 50 of guys who should be given recognition yet. Probably should be. It, it's always been about goals, assists, points with this award. And, and I don't know that it should be, but in the end, I think we said it. There's four guys, McCarr, Hedman, Fox, Yossi, if any of those four win it, I don't think, I don't think you'd go wrong in, in any manner. Yeah. And I think for me, this is part of my big problem with all of the awards is it's based on voting, whether it's by certain members of the media or GMs or things like that. It, it's so they're going to be looking at the sexy stats. They're not going to be looking at a plus minus. Exactly. It's they're all not going to look sexy at block, stats. Yeah, they're not going to look at blocked shots. They're not going to, right? Like there's a lot of guys like a Chris Tanev who are probably up there at the top defenseman for defensive play, but no one gives a shit about that, right? It's, exactly. How many points did you get? Oh, you're a defenseman. You're minus two, but you got 75 points. Woohoo! Best defenseman in the league. I kind of disagree with that. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's kind of why I brought it up, because it is so biased towards the, the guy could have 100 points and be minus 30 and win. And it's like, well, are you really the best defenseman? Like, I just I've oh, always oh, oh, had sorry. a bit of a problem. 
defenseman. I got you said that that minus. I thought you're talking about McDavid. Oh wow. <laughs> okay. Well, let's move on from the uh, Norris and let's go to the Frank J. Selkie Award. And this is an award that's supposed to be like the the best two way players in the game. To me, this is the Reputation Award only. And I got to make a pretty strong argument here that. Because I can almost guarantee that who I think should win isn't even in the conversation because he's not the big name. Ken, who did you have winning it heading into this in our original prediction and where are you going now? And then I'll get into mine after. So my original pick was uh, Mark Stone of the Las Vegas Golden Knights. But unfortunately, because of a, he took a massive hit from Dustin Bufflin you know, years ago in Ottawa, he has a back injury now and is out for the foreseeable future until someone else with $10 million worth of salary is uh, injured on Vegas as well. Yeah. I'm not going with Mark Stone anymore. Cause he's obviously he's out and he's not playing. Um, I actually went with someone who has been in the conversation in the past that, you know, and just for the, the sake of, you know, throwing a, a wrench into things, I went uh, Minnesota's Joel Erickson Eck. Wow. Yeah, he's he's been in the conversation in the past. He he's again, he's not one of those names that you're gonna jump off a page at you, but he's a very solid player. I think probably you and I both would take him on our teams for his type of play. Oh, yeah. he, he finished fourth uh, last year, so he's he's been in the conversation before behind Barkoff. Bergeron and Stone. He's been ahead of guys like O'Reilly and Philip Deneau, but he's in that Minnesota market. So how much love is he actually getting from people doing the voting? Yeah, I I can't, I didn't even actually think of Eric Snap, but that is actually a really solid pick, but he won't win. He won't no. win because this is a reputation award. I also had Mark Stone heading into the season as the uh, Selkie winner. That's not going to happen. Mark Stone is miraculously injured for the rest of the year. I don't believe it for one second. If he I is actually he... hurt, if he is actually hurt, okay, I'll retract. But I am about 90% certain come game one of the playoffs, he's going to be back yeah. in the lineup. He's listed and, as having the Kucherov. Yeah, so Mark Stone's obviously not going to win. Who do I think is going to win? And then who should win are two completely separate conversations in my mind. Who's going to win? I'm going to say Alexander Barkov with the Florida Panthers. He's the center. He's the center on the best line in hockey. He's got 42 points in 36 games. He's plus 20. He's, you know, 22 goals, 20 assists. He isn't just an all-around solid player. I'm not taking anything away from Alexander Barkov. In the car, in the conversation is always going to be Patrice Bergeron. Well, that's reputation only this yeah. year. He has 35 points and he's plus eight. Ryan O'Reilly. He has 32 points. He's plus two. Uh, you've mentioned Philip Deneau, Mark Stone, Joel Erickson Eck. There's one guy nobody's talking about, and I'm not being a homer on this. Elias Lindholm of the Calgary Flames should be the Selkie winner. He's got 48 points, more points than anybody else. He's got 22 goals, more goals than anybody else. He's plus 38. He's got the best plus minus out of anybody. He plays top-line minutes on one of the best lines in hockey. He's a top-line penalty killer. He's a top-line power play. What else do you have to do 
to be in that conversation. I'm sorry, he plays in Calgary. He's not getting recognition. Elias Lindholm should win this award. He's not even going to finish top five. Alexander Barkov's going to win. And I don't have an issue with him winning. It's just he's going to get more recognition because it's a feel-good story on a feel-good team. Ken, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, and, you know, it, Lindholm's stats are right up there. I, I think it's – I had the big issue. I, I used to watch the awards, and then I got so kind of tired and jaded of it because – you're right. Like who should win, who should go to an all-star game. It, it never is. It's all about the reputation and where you play. If you play in the East, you play in the States, you're going to get more looks. It's a lot easier to watch every game that's on at seven o'clock your local time than it is to stay up until one o'clock in the morning, watching the team out West. So yeah, I, I think you're probably bang on with Barkoff. He could be a back-to-back winner, but yeah, there's going to be a lot of guys that should be in the conversation that, don't get a sniff because they're not on one of the big sexy teams. Yeah. I I actually said Elias Lindholm right behind him, I believe is Matthew Kachuk. Matthew Kachuk is also a top 10 scorer and pushing on plus 40. Like he, I, he's not as good all around 200 foot as I think Elias Lindholm is, but it's those types of players in my opinion. And I'm not just picking them because they're Calgary Flames. I'm picking them because they genuinely define what the award's supposed to be good 200 foot players yet they're not getting the recognition because of where they play and the time zone that they play in and it's kind of disappointing so yeah absolutely so let's move on to the lady big and this is kind of the most gentlemanly player with the most skill i guess it would be a good way to to put the 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 lady bing heading into the season and i actually had this guy having a, a a big turnaround this year from last year. It hasn't happened yet. I had picked Elias Pedersen of the Vancouver Canucks. He is playing better, but not where he should be. I, I expected a huge turnaround from Elias this year. That That's why I picked him to win the trophy in the first place. I got Austin Matthews of the Toronto Maple Leafs winning this. Again, to me, this is a reputation award. In the conversation, well, lo and behold, Alexander Barkov, who I've got winning the Selkie, is probably going to be in the conversation for the Lady Bing as well. I think he got uh, Jacob Slavin, who's right there. And I also think you got a guy like Johnny Goudreau, who's right there. You know, doesn't take a ton of penalties and is just all around dynamic players. To me, that's what this award is. But the best of that best, in my opinion, is Austin Matthews of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Ken, where are you at on this? Well, I, I had my original pick in for the Lady Bing was Alexander Barkov. Um, he, you know, I, I don't think he was really in the conversation and the voting too much last year. Uh, so, I, but I put, I went kind of off board with Barkov. I kind of had him as a multiple award winning, you know, across different areas of the game. But I, I actually went back to last year's winner, Jacob Slavin. This is a guy I almost who, did too. I almost yeah. did too. He he's just this is a guy. I remember you gave me crap for picking him up in our uh, fantasy league, and you're like, "Who the hell is this guy?" Got me like he had a hat trick and an assist that night in his first game, and uh, just kind of took off from there. He was a he was an unknown who played with Justin Falk and made Justin Falk expendable real quick. So I went back with Slavin, but you know you got guys like Spurgeon, Matthews you know, Barkov, Panarin, those guys are going to be in, in the hunt for this award as well. They're, they're all 
good players who don't take a lot of penalty minutes. And uh, yeah, it, you know, it's. You just said a name that I kind of overlooked in a lot of my choices, Artemi Panarin. It's weird to me now that like he's playing in a huge market with the Rangers, but I feel like he's getting less recognition than he was before. Like I just, that's, that seems odd to me. Like when, when he was with Chicago, his name was everywhere. Even when he was with Columbus, maybe because he was such a dominant player on that team. I almost feel like Panarin's fallen out of the limelight a little bit. Is it? And that's weird because he's playing on the Rangers. Well, yeah, because he, he went from Chicago to Columbus, Columbus to Chicago, and then back to, um, or no, how he went. He was traded a couple times. And it was, I think he had two stints in Chicago. But it's almost come to the point where do you just expect it from him? So when he does it, it's not as, you know, it doesn't stand out as much. He's got other guys around him, like Zabinajad and Kreider and others that are Fox and other guys, true, but the guys that are playing other big minutes and, getting points he's not the small fish or a big fish in a small pond anymore he's in new york the limelight's there so i think it almost to the point where do we just expect panarin to do it every night is it maybe that panarin is just making all these other guys that much better that they're not getting he's not getting the limelight just by association of Kreider having almost 35 goals and and adam fox winning a norris like like is his presence maybe just make them an all around better players and he's just not getting the recognition as a result. Maybe that's what it is. I mean, I live in a city where the team here could use a guy like that. (laughs) You're just full of the Oiler jabs today. Holy (laughs) smokes. Oh, when it's too easy, it's too easy. I I guess so. They have one five in a row and they're like pulling away from your team. Like, I got to give him a little bit of credit here. <laughs> yeah, wow. after a seven and an eight game losing streak and having to shit can their coach because they were severely underperforming. This is a team that we thought should have been up near the top of the standings and they're having to claw their way back into it. So uh, but they are, they are. I'll give them a little for, bit of credit. Hey, as we've called it before with my team and, and other teams, they got the new coach bump. Let's see if it continues I, until yeah. it does this team is still the same Oilers to me. Oh yeah. Before we move on to kind of, in my opinion, the four, four of the kind of sexier awards left. Uh, let's art Ross trophy. Let's go with one of the more, in, the individual one heading into the season. I had Connor McDavid winning the art Ross. I still have Connor McDavid winning the art Ross. I think it's closer than we expected. Cause I think you and I both talked about, the Oilers were going to be able to score a ton. They're, they actually aren't scoring as much as I thought they would. The power plays dried up a little bit, but in, at the end of the day, I still think Connor McDavid is going to win the Art Ross. I just don't think it's going to be, I don't think McDavid and Dreisaitl are going to be 20 points ahead of everybody else. Like they have been in years past. I think it's going to be a lot closer. Yeah. It's, the gap isn't there anymore. I mean, McDavid does have 71 points and, you know, you go down to tie for fifth at 63. So the, the point gap isn't there like it used to be for 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 him and for even, say, for, for Dreisaitl, who's only a couple points behind him. Uh, yeah, it's uh, – I mean, my Art Ross was McDavid as well going into the season. Mine's changed. Has yours? No, I'm going to stick with McDavid. I just – he's going to score. It's what he does. Yeah, I uh, 
I actually changed mine up. It kind of to a, to a guy who was forgotten when it came to All Star time until it was a fan vote. I'm gonna give Nazem Kadri a little bump here. And <laughs> did you expect him to be in the conversation right now? As wow. it is, no, but he he is there. I just, I, I is he really gonna outscore McDavid a dry settle for the rest of the season? I don't know. Maybe but he's got more games to go though. I'll, I'll give him that. Like, but like between the two teams, right? If you're playing Edmonton, you have to shut down McDavid and Drysaddle, which can be done, has been done. It's nothing new. And he can go several games without points and then play a, a low level or low in the standings team and put up points because they don't have a goaltender. And they're not good. Bernazem Kadri, you've got McKinnon, you've got Landeskog, you've got Rantanen, and you have Kadri. You can't shut them all down. I think Kadri is on a much better team that does a much better job of spreading the points around. I think he, he has a shot. Like Rantanen has 58 points and he's on that list as well. He's, he's further back, but he's not that much further back. I think Colorado's a more well-rounded team. And I think that's going to benefit a guy like Kadri to get more points. Yeah. I'm, I'm not discounting because Kadri's up there and he's having a hell of a season and it's kind of out of nowhere. Like we've never seen Kadri score like this before, but I just I I can't see him overtaking Connor McDavid for most points. I think he'll be in the conversation, but I can't see him overtaking. Uh, let's kind of keep with one of the individual awards here and uh, the Maurice Richard Trophy for most goals. And uh, there's about four or five guys that are right there. You know, we got Ovechkin, Drysital. Like those guys are all right there. Heading into the year, I expected David Pasternak to have a, a killer year. He's having a good year, but he's not in this conversation, in my opinion. I'm going to go with the guy who's going to make McDavid win the Art Ross. That's Leon Dreisaitl. He's the goal scorer on that line. These guys are going to score. It's what they do. I just, I know I've given some Euler love here. Those two are phenomenal hockey players. Like, there's no doubt about it. It's, they're going to score. And Leon Dreisaitl is going to fill the net. He's going to hit 50. He could get upwards of 55. So I got Leon winning it. It's going to be tight. It's already tighter than some people were expecting. Chris Kreider is having a hell of a season. But again, I just look at who's the who do we know is going to score and who's just been scoring a lot this year. I know Leon Dreisaitl is going to score. So that's why I lean that way. Well, I, for, I had Pasternak as well for this one uh, in the beginning of the season. But I went, I didn't give any Oilers love out like just because, just because, but I gave it to Chris Kreider. I think he's, he's having a great season. And I think we just talked about Panarin making guys around him better. And that team is playing some good hockey. They, they've got a fairly well-rounded team and they've got goaltending. So they're going to be playing a lot more teams that are out of the playoff picture. In, in the East, like the East is almost set as it is right now. It's going to take a lot for that number nine team to kind of push their way into the conversation in the standings. Isn't that number but, nine team, one of your Stanley cup picks. Uh, yeah, you can get bent right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like I said, our predictions are bad. So 
that's why you, number 10 sorry that, let's go off over to the rails here that's that's why you bet against what we say not what we not that's why you don't take what we say in the betting line um no i just say that Kreider's having a hell of a year and i don't think anyone expected it and he's not slowing down so i think playing with the guys he plays with up front and even on defense when you've got those guys feeding you the puck you're going to have a lot of opportunities so I think he's doing it against some really good competition as well. It's not just garbage goals against teams at the bottom of the standings. He's he's scoring against everyone, and he's only two off the league lead. So I think they're a more well-rounded team that can hold a little more consistency in how they play. I think the guy we both want to win it is Alex Ovechkin. Do you oh, absolutely. see him? Do you see him making a push? Like he, I think he's five or six goals back now. Like that for Alex, I did one hat trick in a game, and he's right there again. I think we both want to see him win it. Yes. I, I don't think he will, but man, would that be a great story if he did. Drysaddle's got 35, Obi's got 31, and absolutely, I, I just out of pure want and take everything else out of the equation, absolutely, I want Obi to win this award because it just means he's that much closer to breaking the goal record. Exactly. That's exactly so it. That's, he's just a life, he's a lovable guy. Like Ovechkin's just a great face of the league and, and you at his age too it would be just a ridiculously good story the guy hasn't slowed down one iota and it would just be so awesome if he did it i hope he does i don't yeah. think he will but i hope he does the fact that he, he is in the conversation where he is you take a look at a guy he and crosby pretty much came in at the same time right and the how their project like how they took off at the same time they were both scoring goals it was always Crosby versus Ovi, who was going to get more, who was going to get to 51st, all that, all that kind of stuff. But Ovi's been the one that's maintained that same scoring level. And in relatively healthy, he has missed some time, but nothing major. Um, yeah, absolutely. I hope he wins this, you know, wins that award and leads the league in scoring. I do too. Hey, I got to give a little shout out. You just said his name, Sidney Crosby, scored his 500th goal this week. Congrats to Sydney. I know I was actually in the building when Jerome McGinley did it against the Minnesota wild. And it is awesome. The players all it's a significant milestone and it means a lot to the players, to the fans. Again, I said it, I was in there when you did it. The place went nuts. Yeah. Same thing and, with, with Crosby. It was awesome. I love it. And it wasn't, Good a, it wasn't see. a gimme either. It was no, it wasn't the, uh, the Aginla where it got thrown out in front and accidentally ricocheted off his skate. It was a wicked snipe on a one-timer. So, you know, congrats to Sidney Crosby on goal number 500 in his career. I I know you're not the biggest Crosby guy, but still a, a significant milestone. Well, I give him credit for uh, for the talent. I just wish he had a little more of Ovi's personality. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with that. So let's move on to the Calder Trophy. Top rookie of the year. I think you and I had the same pick. I can't remember. And we are so far off. It's not even funny. I picked Spencer Knight of the Florida Panthers because I thought Spencer Knight was going to eventually be the starting goalie of the Florida Panthers after Sergei Bobrovsky uh, fell flat on his face. Well, that has not happened. <clears throat> Spencer Knight is not playing that much. So I'm going to revise my pick. And I have to revise my pick. To me, there's who's going to win and who should win. Again, very much the same as the Selkie. Who's going to win? Trevor Zegers of the Anaheim Ducks. 
He's only going to win because he's the sexy pick. People are going to remember the handful of ridiculous goals that he scored, you know, the all-star game, his, his breakaway challenge blindfolded. That's awesome. That stuff is awesome. What Trevor Zegers is doing is awesome. You know, he's got, he had a Michigan goal. He had a Michigan assist, let's call it, where he flipped the puck from behind the net. He's doing some cool stuff. He's got 38 points in, in 46 games, which it's good. His team's starting to tumble down the standings a little bit. They were, you know, top three in the Pacific. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs now. Trevor Zegers is probably going to win. Who should win? Mort Sider of the Detroit Red Wings, the defenseman. He's got 35 points. Only three behind Zegers playing defense. He's a plus two on a bad Red Wings team. He is the future of that blue line in Detroit but he's not getting the recognition simply because he doesn't have the NHL pumping his tires like they do with Trevor Zegers. So Zegers is going to win. Sider should in the conversation, Michael Bunting in Toronto playing shotgun alongside the Leafs top line. He's got 33 points, 16 goals plus 11. He's in the conversation. In my opinion, Zegers is going to win. Yeah, I, I had Spencer Knight as well. And the only thing I can hope for this pick is that we can use it again next year based on games played he still may be considered a rookie I, I don't know um but it didn't turn out this year as you said Bobrovsky did not see that turnaround coming I I had Colt Caulfield as a backup to that pick just that ain't in, happening in case uh Spencer Knight didn't play <laughs> well when you get sent to the AHL uh, you, you generally aren't having a good time uh despite he is playing quite well under the definition of first-time coach Marty St. Louis. Uh, and it's now that he's taken over the bench from Dominic Ducharme, Cole Caulfield is playing better. So maybe if they actually had a coach that knew what the hell they were doing, not saying St. Louis does either, but he just lets the guys go out and play. Um, maybe Cole Caulfield would have been in the conversation. And I got to agree with you because it's all about what's best for the league visually. Trevor Zegers, even though I think he got screwed at the all-star game competition, uh, probably will win that award just because when you have sports center in Canada and ESPN and in us pumping out his highlights, that's what the voters are going to see. So I agree. The defenseman to, you know, cider isn't quite a kale McCarr. The, the one year you had McCarr and Quinn Hughes, two defensemen out of the three picks for rookie of the year. That doesn't happen very often, so it takes a lot to get recognized as a, as a defenseman. So let's move on to Jack Adams, coach of the year. And I fell flat on my face with uh, my prediction heading into the season. Uh, I actually think both you and I had the Chicago Blackhawks being a lot better than they are. And I had picked Jeremy Colleton of the Chicago Blackhawks. Well, let's just say he's not even employed in the league anymore. I think he was out after roughly 15 games. So I definitely had to revise my pick here because my guy's not even in the league. To me, this one's pretty obvious. Who's going to win coach of the year? And I'm going to look right to the town and the city I live in. It's Daryl Sutter of the Calgary Flames. He's completely turned around a non-playoff team to right now an absolute force in the Western Conference. They've won nine games in a row. They've got a top five penalty kill. They're a top five team on all the five on five metrics. They're the number one defensive team in the league. They're the number seven offensive team in the league. In 2021, the Flames had 55 points in 56 games. 
In 2022, the Flames have 64 points in 48 games. The coach of the year typically goes to the coach that kind of makes his team have the most significant turnaround from the year past. To me, that's Daryl Sutter to a, to a T. The Flames are significantly better than they were last year under uh, Jeff Ward. In the conversation, I think falling off though now, Dallas Eakins of the Anaheim Ducks, that team came out like a team on fire. They've really slowed it down. And Rod Brindamore of the Carolina Hurricanes, I think, is in that conversation. The reason I don't give it to Brindamore, and I think it's such a slam dunk for Sutter, is Carolina was supposed to be good. Carolina's not doing anything that they weren't supposed to do. That doesn't take anything away from Rod Brindamore and what he's doing but and the, and the Hurricanes, but he's going to get overlooked just because of the sharp turnaround that the Calgary Flames have had. And Carolina was supposed to be good. So for that reason, I've got Daryl Sutter. And if it continues on the way it's going right now, I actually don't think it's particularly close. Well, with the pay, I mean, we've got to take a look. What logically makes sense and what actually happens when it comes to voting isn't always the same. So very fair. I mean, speaking of unemployed picks, my Jack, or Jack Adams award winner was Quinville. Joel Quinville of the Florida Panthers. So clearly there needs to be a revision. We're two for two there. <laughs> yeah, not employed coaches winning awards. So um, I think in the conversation, you're going to have guys like Bednar. You're going to have Brindamore. I think Sutter's definitely should be in the consideration for that. Um, my pick, though, I'm still staying with just because I'm, I'm taking my jaded brain a little bit and how this is done. I, I agree what what Sutter has done or is also affectionately known on Twitter in Flamesland is Dar Sut. Um, thanks to a drunken tweet, not from me, but some, from someone else. Um, I think Sutter should be in that conversation for what he's done from coming in interim coach last year to first full year with the first full year, back year with the team. Uh, he should be, but I think I'm going to stick with Florida for my coach of the year and Andrew Brunette. And the reason why he may get a little more of the headlines is because of what happened with Joel Quinville. Yeah, I can Joel give Quinville you that. stepped down, stepped down yeah. um, because of the scandal with Chicago. Andrew Brunette, as an assistant coach, had to come in, take over as on the interim tag. And when you continue, and, and there was no fall off for the Florida Panthers. That Florida Panthers team has just kept rolling and been a dominant force all year. So the fact that Andrew Brunette has that interim tag on his name after head coach or before head coach, that may garner him a few more votes just because, Oh my God, all the controversy with that team having to take over when, after coach Q left, that's, what's going to get voters attention. And I, do I think it's right? No. Is it going to happen? Probably because that's what they're going to look at. The Florida Panthers were at, a fairly good team last year. They're an exceptional team this year. That's not a huge leap from what the flames have done last year to this year, replacing a coach, turning it around, being in, in the conversation for the top of the Pacific. That's a lot different. So, but again, what's sexy for voters is that those little side stories. I don't know. Daryl Sutter's pretty sexy, Ken. Like, I, I just don't know. Don't know where you're going with that. I just, I this think we traditionally need to, goes we'll need to, to have a conversation <laughs> off air about that comment. I'm, the, to I mean, me, this award is always about what coach makes their team have the biggest turnaround. 
Carolina and Florida were supposed to be good. And I do understand the brunette coming in with uh, Gwenville, very difficult circumstances, but those teams were supposed to be good in my opinion. And that's why I think they probably won't win it, but we shall see you were right about the biasness of who they get to watch in the East and the West and what is the sexy story because Burnett is that story. So if he wins, I wouldn't be surprised. I just don't actually think based on kind of history of what this award is, he should win, but that's just my two cents. I mean, it took a lot for me to not say Bruce Boudreaux, but I restrained <laughs> myself. He's been a hell of a coach. I'll, I'll give if credit the, there. So. If the Canucks do make the playoffs, he at least is a somewhat in the conversation. I'm not saying he yes. should win, but he'd be in the conversation. Yep. So let's move on to the Vesna Trophy. And again, my preseason pick, <laughs> flat on its face. I had Marc-Andre Fleury of the Chicago Blackhawks. It's not that yeah. he's playing poorly. As did I. I. He's not playing poorly. It just that team is not relevant, and we figured they would be. In my opinion, there's four guys in this conversation. All four of them have very similar stats, one of these guys has one stat that stands out head and shoulders above all of them. And that's why I think this guy's going to win over the other guys. The three guys who I think are in the conversation are Igor Shusterkin, Freddie Anderson, and Andre Vasilevsky. The guy who I think is going to win because he has eight shutouts is Jacob Markstrom of the Calgary Flames. They all have essentially the same stats. They're all in the 209, kind of 930 range in save percentage, goals against, Shesterkin's slightly under that. He's pushing on a two. They don't have the shutouts. And you want to talk about sexy stats. Shutouts are sexy stats. That's why I think Jacob Markstrom of the Calgary Flames is going to get it. He's not going to have as many wins. He's probably not going to have as many, as hot, as great of uh, goals against as, let's say, Vasilevsky or Freddie Anderson, who I picked on the all overrated team this year. Has he ever proved me wrong? He's not going to have as many wins as those guys, but if he continues on posting, you know, two, three, four more shutouts, that's why I think he'll win the Vesna trophy. Yeah. I mean, I pretty much for who you've got in the conversation, I, I agree with, I would throw, you know, my hometown bias in there. I'd throw that Thatcher Demko into that conversation because the Canucks are where they are a lot because of, Thatcher Demko's yep. play and Demko five, Demko is probably the best goalie in the league flat out stopping the puck he's just not gonna have the stats to back it up because of his team because well because of, because of the team's lack of special teams yeah five on five Thatcher Demko's numbers I think are either first or second to Markstrom's in the league so you take a look at that like if the Canucks had any kind of special teams penalty kill and power play they would probably be right up there at the top of the, the division potentially, but they don't. And it was on evident, very evident last night. Um, but I would say Thatcher Demko is in the conversation, not the conversation, but he would. Yeah. Be I'll, I'll give you that. He's a hell of a goalie. Yeah. Who should win the award. I do agree is Markstrom because of his play, because of his stats. You, you said the shutouts, there's no one in the league that's touching them right now on that. Who will win. Yeah. It's just Thurkin. I would agree. I I and, and I agree. I'm in agreement with you there. Markstrom should win, but I think Shusterkin will win. And 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 there's there's again we talk about the Eastern bias in this 
with all the words, but what they also might look at is Shesterkin's what second, third year in the league. Markstrom's been around. What's expected versus hey, this guy came out of nowhere, right? There's that kind of the bright-eyed storyline looking at it as well. As Shesterkin is this guy who was one of two under, under Henrik Lundqvist who's now taking the spotlight. Like New York has got a, a bevy of goaltenders, which is just every team drools over until you got to pay them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then you get a Marsham to Calgary uh, situation like with Vancouver. So it's great to have. They have two young, good goaltenders. Shesterkin is clearly the one who stepped forward as the guy. We talked about whether they'd be able to do it without Lundqvist and would they be able to push each other? And that's exactly what's happened is they have come out so far ahead. So Markstrom should, Shesterkin probably will. So let's move on to the, the king cheese of all the awards. The one that everybody is salivates over the heart trophy, most valuable player to their team heading into the season. I had picked David Pasternak. I thought he was going to be a 50, 60 goal man. He's not having a bad year by any stretch. Boston's not quite as good as I thought they were going to be. So I think he's being overlooked a little bit. I think there right now is actually a clear runaway winner of the Hart Trophy. I think there's a few guys in the conversation, but I think there's a runaway winner. In the conversation, I've got your usual shot suspects. I got Austin Matthews, Leon Dreisaitl, Connor McDavid, and I'm going to throw Johnny Goudreau into the, the conversation. That's it to me. They're in the conversation. The clear winner to me is Jonathan Huberto of the Florida Panthers. He's third in the league scoring 68 points right now. He's plus 23. He is the engine behind the best team in the NHL. The guy's phenomenal. It's too bad not enough fans are getting to see this at their on a regular basis. This guy's kind of, he's more than broken onto the scene. He is the scene right now. He is so good. And I've got to give it to Jonathan Huberto of the Florida Panthers. Yeah, so I pretty much have Jonathan Huberto, third in scoring, leading his team in dominant play. Like, so again, but you go to that, you can give it to a guy who's exciting to watch, driving, keep making his team better. Or you could give it to a guy like Connor McDavid who just doesn't seem to really care about anything. It isn't they need to find a better face to the league, and this is, I think, where you could put a guy like Huberto on the map with this award and draw more attention to the Florida Panthers and the great players that that team actually has. Um, I, I would say, you know, the Prince of Suspension is in Cadres in that con- could be in that conversation as well. Yeah. The only reason he won't be is because everyone likes to point out that he is a suspension magnet. He's no Brad Marchand, which is why he's the Prince. Marchand's the king of suspensions. But I think there's a lot of guys, they need to get some new blood in that instead of just giving it to who's going to sell the most jerseys. Right. And I think that's, a- I said this heading into the season. McDavid's the best player in the league. Clearly he is, but for him to win a heart, like what he did a couple of years ago has set the bar so high for him to win a heart trophy that he has to like win the scoring race by 20 points. I, in my opinion, to win the heart trophy, because he is just that much better. And if somebody's even remotely close to him in points, which Huberto is, and his team is so much better that it's to me, so clear cut, you know, McDavid's probably the Lester B. Pearson award winner for best player. I, I'll give that, but 
most valuable to the team. I, I just think Huberto does so much more for that Panthers team. Let's move on to quickly to the playoffs here, the Stanley Cup. Who's going to win the Stanley Cup and who's going to be the Con Smythe? Heading into the season, I had the Vegas Golden Knights winning the Stanley Cup. I had the Con Smythe going to Robin Lehner. I still think Vegas will probably get there. But to me, there's a new clubhouse leader, and we've talked about this team a lot today. That's the Florida Panthers. I've got the Florida Panthers winning the Stanley Cup, and I've got the Con Smythe going to Jonathan Huberdeau. To me right now, the only hiccup in this is that division they have to come out of is so good that they could get upset. But if they do, they will be battle-tested. And I just, that, that Florida Panthers team, top to bottom, is so deep. I have to give it to them. Yeah, I mean, my original pick was Colorado versus the New York Islanders, who are um, 18 points out of a playoff spot right now. So I'm going to revise. I'm going to keep Colorado there. But I would agree that uh, right now, the front runner, as much as I'd like to say Carolina, because they're kind of my, you know, far, far, far back number two team that I like to see do well, uh, it probably is going to be Florida. But you're right. Like that division is so tough. They got to take out. I mean, the only thing that they could hope for is a first round matchup against uh, the Leafs. Give the <laughs> Leafs a 3-1 lead and then just finish them off. Um, but that's a tough division. You're right. But they've also played those teams and they've beat them handedly and they've lost close ones to them. So I think that is a very good matchup. I, I, I say that the Panthers probably take it as well, but I'd give it to, to uh, Barkoff. And I think a, a big thing we haven't brought up, the Tampa Bay Lightning, at some point they're going to get tired. Like they've played a ton of hockey in the last, let's say, three seasons. I think the, the, they're just there's going to be a point where they're going to get into a, a killer series, I mean, probably against Florida, where they're just going to run out of steam. If Tampa Bay three-peats, I would not be surprised, but I think they're going to run out of steam at some point. Well, Florida took them to game seven last year having to use three goalies and sitting Bobrovsky in the press box for game seven. So um, yeah, I think it, uh, it definitely favors the Panthers. I think Tampa. Yeah. I wouldn't disagree much on a three Pete there, but hopefully serve some new blood lifting the trophy. Florida over Calgary. There you go. There's some new blood, but we're not, we're not picking <laughs> Seattle to make the playoffs and win, win the cup like everyone else was. All right. Well, that's our picks. Obviously, we've had a lot of changes to our preseason awards and oh, who's yeah. going where. Uh, we didn't even get into who we thought was going to finish where in the standings in each division, which, good Lord, it's not pretty. Um, as I've said, listen to our shows. You can use it for betting. Just go against everything we say, and you'd probably do well. Uh, that's why we don't bet, because we'd be broke. So <laughs> I'm already broke. I don't need to bet. Yeah. But that's our picks. Don't forget to check out Trevor on Twitter at the BleacherCon1. I am at the BleacherCon2. Also, make sure to check out Belly Up Sports. You can go to the website, bellyupsports.com. You've got uh, Belly Up TV on Tiki Live. Check out the website, download the app. You can catch it on all your streaming services. And Burns Radio every Monday, noon Pacific, 3 p.m. That's our show for this week. I want to thank everyone for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, everyone.